Last week, so many comics. This week, not so much. One comic. Well, two, two comics. Technically, two comics. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, you're the count. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin, the magician of numbers. So the count. The count, yes. I'm a Dracula-influenced character on a children's TV program. And I love to count. Oh, that's the best song ever. Little nugget. If you've never looked up the counting song on YouTube, the count, and they bleep out the word count. It's very funny. Yeah. It's a good time. Yep. Check it out. What are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about that Marvel Unlimited Infinity comic. Number 36. And Legion of X. Number one. Our final Destiny of X launch, at least for now. Who knows what comes next? Because I guess Exterminators is also Destiny of X. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. Do we have any news? Very, very slow on the news front. So I, I just I plucked a couple of things out of my brain. Well, we did do news on Tuesday as well. So. That's true. That's true. But since then, I have finished The Unfamiliar Garden by oh. Benjamin Percy. Y'all, he read that book so fast. I did. Only a couple days. Uh, it was just over 200 pages. It was really good, though. I enjoyed it. I could not stop reading it. I was enjoying it. Um, there is one page. I couldn't find it because I wanted to. But there is one page where it's essentially doing the same argument that Wolverine does in... 10 lives of Wolverine number one about a clock and a, a digital clock versus an analog clock and the lie of it telling you that. And I just thought that was really interesting about how it was like the exact same idea lifted from, and it had to have been in the book first yeah. because this book came out in January and I'd imagine the lead time for a book is a lot longer than a comic. Probably. You reading it next? Cause I, I bought the ninth medal, which is his first book of this series. That was actually, I read it out of order, which doesn't matter, according to our interview. But you know I'm going to read the first one first, because I just can't. You just can't. Hey, I got a new Marvel Legend today. Oh. The first of the VHS series for X-Men the Animated Series. I did see that. I saw that box come in, and I can see it right now, standing up. The old knucklehead looking over at you. So are you going to take Wolverine out of the box and just save the box, or does he stay inside there? I don't know. I initially thought that I was going to keep them in the box. But you can't even see the figure. But you can't even see the figure. and But also at the same point, the figure is pretty similar to the figure that is currently on display. In that oh, oh, it's just wow. shaded so that it has cell shading to look like it's part of the animated series. Another Wolverine who looks similar to all of the other Wolverines? Well, hey, hey, hey. Most of the other Wolverines look different. Oh, right. To be fair. Right. There's right. only a couple of copies... You know, there was that one where you got me one for my birthday and the Let's guys at the guys at the it. toy store were like, there's no way he has this. This just came out. They were wrong. They were wrong because it's X-Men. It's Wolverine. Obviously, I had it. I had it on. This was before I realized I should just never try to buy you a figure as a gift. That's just not an option because you pre-order like all of them. Got to cover my bases. I don't pre-order all of them. I pre-order the ones that I absolutely want. And think will be harder to find later on. There are some that I want. I'm just waiting for them to come down in price. Uh-huh. Any other news? Or we're digging right in. There was a thing about She-Hulk. The trailer is getting some updated CGI because everybody complained about it. Oh, geez. Yeah. So I'm interested in that. See what that looks like. Oh, geez, Louise. They jack up her muscles. That was the big complaint is that she just doesn't look. She wasn't muscular enough. She was not the She-Hulk we all know and love. Oh, interesting. I mean, I didn't see. I don't think I watched the trailer. What? Yeah, well, you didn't show it to me, and I was, you know, distracted. All right. Yeah, let's talk about X-Men Unlimited. Wait, you know what starts tomorrow? I found this out this afternoon. Obi-Wan. That's, uh, you know, just a little nerd nugget for you. Yes, for the Star Wars side of the Disney bus. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about comics. Let's hit it with that, uh... Infinity comic. Thoughts, feelings. What's what's it all about? I mean, I loved it. I love the art, especially the textures added by the color. And I thought the story is great. I really like the story. We start with the 
Stranger Things vibes of these <laughs> three stu- these three kids in Mexico. It's total Stranger Things vibes. The the pupil husk of this giant beast that they're not sure which side's which, and it definitely once we get to the front is an oversized eni, which is already oversized, and then it's left the husk there, so it's even bigger, even bigger as it uh, just looms in the reflection of its own eye socket horror vibes all throughout this i really loved it the faces just the size of eni the size of eni is crazy like what i wonder is how is it that this eni can get so big when the other eni is not that big like so does it have to do with living inside maggot versus living out on its own i assume so because the way that Eni and Meanie and Maggot work is that they eat things and then bring that nutrients and power to him. And without him absorbing the power and nutrients of them eating, and especially as we find out there's some psychic link between this Eni and the new one, there's a lot of anger fueling what he's doing, a lot of drive fueling what he's doing as he's trying to get bigger and bigger. Now, do you think the psychic link has to do with the fact that it's the same consciousness essentially resurrected? Or do you think it has to do with the fact that their power set lends it to a psychic link within the three of them regularly? Yeah, I don't think that this would happen with anybody that just has a a second copy of themselves running around. So I think that that's definitely what it is. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's because of the fact that they're already psychically linked. That makes sense. They just, you know kind of think about what is what would this mean like we there aren't really and there isn't anyone to our knowledge right that has a second like a resurrected version of themselves um not explicitly confirmed on page there is the fact that you know they say vulcan never died and so is this a second vulcan is this there's what do we know actually happened with Darwin in the vault as he was left behind? He was kind of disintegrated as they were testing and utilizing his powers, but mm. we don't know exactly. But we don't know. Right. So we don't know the effects of there being two of one person. But Emma's here to investigate it. Are you excited to see Emma? I was excited to see Emma. I was a little, you know, confused over how it is that Eni can somehow overpower Emma in this situation? I think it's the psychic link with the strength of his other self, mm-hmm. right? And then was it really overpowering or was it just you entered the mind of a chaotic being and the the mindscape was not what she was prepared for? Mm, and it basically brought her in. So there's a couple of shots where you see her falling into the subconscious of m- mean Eni. Or angry Eni. Yeah, don't say mean Eni because we already have meanie. We have Eni and meanie, and we can't get them confused. And just a lot of intense. You see the skulls, the the skeletons of the people that I'm assuming these are the people that Eni has killed throughout. It's a lot of people, Eni. His rampage. Yeah, this is intense. This is definitely breaking that kill no man rule. Indeed. And all we know, all we're left with is that Eni is upset that they've been abandoned. And they're coming to Krakoa. Yeah. Intense monster time coming after him. I, I just really like this twist to the resurrection complication. I think it's really interesting. And I think it's a really cool way to utilize Maggot as a character and, and just the extensions through Eni and Meanie in a narratively interesting way that otherwise wouldn't have happened. And I don't think we would really see Maggot in any other story otherwise. I agree. As a wrench in the resurrection plan, I think it's quite interesting. Interesting that he's name-dropped in Legion of X, though. And you actually see him a little bit. It all ties together sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's nice and neat. Other times it's just doing whatever it wants. Speaking of Legion of X. Hey, let's talk about that cover. Number one. Well. The the thing I love most about it is Kurt's look. Right, We were talking about it the other day, I think, with Immortal X-Men. Just the beard, the jacket, and now the double swords just looks like he's living his best life. He's coming into his own. I don't know how I feel about him turning into a cop, but, you know, whatever. Well, I have feelings that I'll talk about when we get inside the issue, but I do like his look a lot. 
the colors are cool too on this and the concept of the fact that they're all in legion's mind yeah that's really cool all right shall we dive in yeah page turn noise reunited sensing blindfold ruth out in the wherever she is wherever she is the amount of things that would just blow your mind when you're resurrected after a while. Like, wow, you guys have been busy. How long was I out? Right. Like a year or two. It's beautiful inside this little altar. The altar, a mutant dimension, or wee bubble reality in Misaiki. <laughs> it seems like nobody is concerned about this. Like Legion, historically, is not the most stable character in terms of keeping his multiple personalities in check and, and being able to have this confidence and the strength over himself wait so he has multiple personalities yeah that's essentially his one of his powers basically is is that he creates new powers for himself there's a reference to it later on in the issue that's interesting because i was watching a video the other day where someone with dissociative identity disorder was uh talking about moon knight and the the altars like that's what they call each of the that's what Legion the calls them as well. Yeah. Well, the, it's just interesting that this place is called an altar. We so talked it's about this. Essentially, another we, personality is this place. Um, I don't know about that. Maybe, or or just the creation or development of this place could be linked to another personality. But I think it's really him. We talked about that towards the end of Way of X and the onslaught revelation. Just the altar, altar of it all. Oh, oh well, look at us making a full circle right back to it. So let's go check out the station because apparently Nightcrawler needed to make a career change and go from a priest to a cop. What is this? What is this book? Does this book just the giving us the X factor that we always wanted, like with a crime, the whole crime situation? Maybe. I don't know. It's like crime specifically tied to the three laws. Not so much investigating the crimes, but just dealing with the perpetrators. But a little bit investigating because yeah. they don't want to send them to the council for their judgment until they know the full story. Sure, right. They're the parole officers slash officers. Yeah. I just feel like it's such a big leap from Way of X. Like, we're in Way of X. I want to figure out what the laws of Krakoa mean, seemingly in a religious manner. But now I want to police Krakoa from the astral plane and enforce my understanding of all of them. And a fourth thing called the spark. It's it's an interesting concept. I'll say that. And yeah. I agree that it was definitely a shift in tone. Tone in character for Nightcrawler? Like, this just feels, feels a little out of character. I'm glad that you're saying that because I felt that. But I was also like, you know, I don't... I haven't actually seen much of Nightcrawler. Like, in all of Krakoa, he just sort of appears... Like, makes appearances and cameos in other books outside of Way of X. There hasn't been a lot of dive into his character. And in any of the X history stuff that we've done, I haven't gotten to know him as a character too, too in depth. But I was reading this and going, is this... Does this feel off or yeah he's got a new just my perception of of him he's got a new goatee and he's rocking cop vibes he's talking with his squad because he's just like was like a volunteer constabulary or just hey come be jerks to people with me (laughs) i don't know if they're being jerks i don't know we'll get to the interpretations of the laws when we get there because i feel like some of that is a little stepping over the bounds of what an individual member of the council should be doing Mm. and especially to then influence others perspective on it yeah that's true but first legion needs to be reunited with his love yeah as he's walking through he's taking this stop between the cortex complex you remember this i bet it's where i stash all the extra minds my brain makes so legion's power is essentially that he can create other powers for himself and oftentimes Mm. that results in other personalities there are also other personalities that he has absorbed into himself at various times throughout continuity that's interesting i mean i love all this trippy astral plane love art yeah yeah this is really cool the colors are amazing and a little bit of context on what the altar is I built the altar to be a rational space, but it's basically an island on the astral plane. So I left a wee opening where, oh, shut up and kiss me, you dumb idiot. (laughs) You dummy. 
And blindfold, hey, whoa, you're intangible. Uh, what's going on? I think it's kind of interesting that she decided to be without her husk. Yeah. But also, does that make it so that the only one who can interact with her is Legion? Or can, I wonder if other people in the altar can also interact with her, but if, she can't step foot outside of there, essentially. If she were to enter the altar, I believe that they would be able to interact with her or anybody else on the astral plane, as we see at the end. Hmm. But this also seemingly changes her powers and, and how she can utilize them, right? So this connection between her physical body and her powers versus what she's able to do now without it and on the astral plane where she can see I can be a watchman on the shoreline of dreams, this ocean of ideas connecting every sentient mind. So instead of, as she refers to it, being tortured threading by all the threading futures without it I, I can look outwards i can see just what else is happening in the world in the universe that's interesting because it's you know that's one of the things that destiny has been talking about since since being back that there's always things she can't see or this like obstruction and i wonder if the creation of resurrection and this secondary husk or this new form of their own body is actually a hindrance to precogs in some way maybe but blindfold didn't want to have to deal with it all she was very troubled by that's saying it lightly uh her powers previously and actually committed suicide oh well at least she's happy now yeah it's a title page the whole of the law do what thou wilt Written by Cy Spurrier, art by Jan Basil Dua, color art by Federico Blee, and letters by Clayton Coles. This is Clayton Coles. It's a song now. Onto the data page, the three laws of Krakoa, with annotations from Kurt to help guide his not cops into action. <laughs> Make more mutants. I, I'd say that this is the best and least interpreted of the laws. It's also the one that he made up, so obviously it must be perfect, right? <laughs> Basically, don't interrupt the five. Let them do what they're doing. Make them more mutants. We can't force people to have babies. Yeah, and I'm glad that we kind of established that because in Way of X, with the whole nursery situation, there seemed to be a lot of make a baby, make a baby. And even it's something that Rogue and Gambit were struggling with. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get a vibe that that in the nursery, I, I know that Rogue and Gambit felt as though there was a pressure to do so. And, and Rogue was in no way interested in that. And that good for her. You know, if, yeah. if you don't want to, then don't be forced to it. I feel as though the what was it called? The Grove or it was called the something. The, oh, the Bower. Oh, the Bower. But anyway, murder no man. So this expansion of the law to include basically anybody without access to resurrection. Can he enforce that? I mean, I think it's not necessarily an expansion of the law. It's more like a... Reinterpretation? Uh, no, I, I think it's like a... We're, I guess you could consider it an expansion, but I think of it as more of... These are the details, right? Like, you know, we talked about the book, the handbook, essentially, that Cyclops has for all these different things that could go wrong. You know, murder no man... Even the first one saying, or woman, or any other, obviously, is saying we have to state these things because if we don't have these parameters, people are going to use this as a loophole and sure. say, like, oh, well, I killed a Shi'ar woman, so I didn't murder a man. Or right. Something. So, I mean, so I agree with the women or other, obviously, it's just the extension. So you think about the New Mutants issue where magic was in space. It's like, are you a human? Are you a human or do you want to make out? <laughs> like None of you are humans, right? Because not a man, right? And and not only just saying it, but it also seems as though they're enforcing it. Like this is for the legionary guidance. Yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting because it's basically saying, but in the same sense, it's basically saying murder is illegal. Sure. Which it should be. And I think sometimes super powered beings get a little willy-nilly with their murdering and so you know the understanding is as long as you're not provoked as long as it's not self-defense if, if you're in a battle or whatever it's just don't go straight up kill someone but i don't know well and that's not even the biggest point that i want to dissect it's the one after it of essentially making this very relative to Kurt's feelings about Pixie in Way of X, this intention to make sure death does not lose its meaning, 
When a killing is suspected, we must examine intent before we condemn. We must see to it that death does not lose meaning, lest life follow suit. Which was basically his takeaway after everyone was doing whatever they wanted to do with death. And yeah. it kind of segues into the the third one, respect the sacred land, to then include mutant kind as part of the sacred land. He's basically interpreting this law as violence to mutants is now against the law. Something specifically said that wasn't a problem back in House of X, that like because we can resurrect people, it's not a crime to, to kill mutants. Yeah, but I think that that's sort of an interesting lens to look at, you know, from Kurt's perspective is maybe that's where his soul searching sort of is tying into this book, like where Way of X is tying in and that like if there's, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about with with um, X-Force and the way that Quentin is doing what he's doing with those husks and it's unnecessary waste. It's unnecessary. If the number one law is make more mutants and our goal is to stay out of the fives way so that they oh, yeah, can yeah, yeah. do, you know, what they need to do, then killing Choir's somebody... definitely guilty. Right. But I'm just saying killing somebody just because you can... Or even just what, what I'm arguing is the fact that People in Way of X were killing themselves just to get that over with or just to go through that experience. And he took personal offense to that and has now interpreted that, that as against the law. And I have no problem with that being how you feel. It's just how you act on it is what I'm questioning. And that's what seems to be in this guideline of his annotations. That's interesting. I think it is definitely something that I would think more about, but I think it's for me, a matter of interpretation. Like when I read that and I took it in, it was more like you can't disrespect each other. You can't attack each other. You can't kill each other just because there's no consequence. And you have to still have, you know, thought into into the actions and the choice that you're taking and not just do it and, and be like, well, there's no consequences because I can't die. And it's more about the mindset. And I understand what you're saying, that that's a belief and that that shouldn't necessarily be a law because someone else could believe something different, relevance. Um, but I think I didn't, I didn't take it that way when I read it. But now that you're offering that as a perspective, I see where you're coming from. It just it just reads as a one council member kind of going rogue on how to interpret the law and how to enforce that law because he is also enforcing these laws or this interpretation of these laws. But do we know that the council hasn't seen this and approved it? We don't know that. The way that it's introduced with interpretive annotations for legionary guidance, Kurt Wagner. Mm. But there's Storm! Storm's here! And she doesn't want any of Nightcrawler's silly formalities. Yeah, but he misses Storm. She misses him. The duties of Arako are relentless, and apparently they don't have weekends. <laughs> no breaks on Arako. She insisted it had to be Krakoa's chief lawman. Who Who is she? And why is Nightcrawler Krakoa's chief lawman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Aura Serrata, the witness, fourth light of the great ring, first of the twilight seats, holder of the chair of law, commander of the inward watch. Call me Arbitrix. I'm going to say right off the bat, before we even get into any of these data pages and all of this stuff, this was another moment where there was a lot of information given to me and I was just like, eventually I will understand what I need to understand and I'm not going to go too deep into this. Well, um, I mean... As we go in, just flag those things. Yes, yes. Because Arbitrix, the, the arbitrator of this Arako law, right? She's the voice of law here. One of our deities is missing, which all of your assumptions are reductive, Kurt. I thought Arako had no gods. Well, let me show you. All Iraqi justice is settled by duel. You are silly. I bear witness to the circle perilous. If you flee, we hunt you, you coward. Yeah, I understand her role. Yeah. And I think it makes sense. You need to have a like a third party outside of your challenge to be It seems as though she's just a witness though. She doesn't Well, she well, yeah. She doesn't make a ruling necessarily. It's just like she's there and if you're not there and you've been challenged, they're making sure you're there. I mean, she makes she makes the ruling, but she follows the laws of Araka, right. right? Hey, we're in your favorite place. The Green Lagoon. The Green Lagoon. Who is this guy? Oh, God. I, I, they're really, 
he doesn't have any control over that as his power. He so nope. he has no lasting relationships. How does Kurt know who he is to have him on the team? Because there is a reference to neural filters. So and it seems as though at least Kurt and potentially Fabian have been outfitted with them because they both know and recognize Zabi. Might as well get the rest of the team one of those. Well, that's what they say. We need to forge needs to make them, and then we need to be outfitted with them. Got it. Got it. But without that, there'd be a lack of these seven jokes of who oh, are you? Who are you again? Who are you? Who are you? Do I, I know you? I laughed the first couple of times, but then I was like, okay, come on, we we get it. Well, we, I was just thinking, how annoying must this person's life be that this is what they have to every deal with. single time. Every five seconds, apparently, because he can't even have a full conversation with this dude at the bar who's a murderer. Once you leave, once he leaves their sight, essentially it, it wipes him from their mind. That's crazy. I mean, it's a cool power to have, but it sucks to not really have control over it. Right. But anyway, this guy, he's a murderer yeah. and he doesn't have to face real world justice because Krakoans have amnesty, but he does have to face Krakoa justice. Yeah. And interesting power, obviously, is a hothead, but just this idea of like, smoke coming out and being able to be manipulated by himself and into creating things i don't think i've ever seen a power like this yeah it kind of reminds me of the big snow monsters that elsa makes in frozen all right (laughs) but anyway he's gonna get his butt kicked by the kool-aid man (laughs) the kool-aid man (laughs) juggernaut oh yeah but this time the juggernaut for real yeah right it's not quentin but the way that he's essentially able to take down the juggernaut this smoke monster that then infects his lungs and almost chokes him to death as forget-me-not sneaks up behind him and tases him i know it's kind of crazy <laughs> juggernaut who the hell are you oh god in later i did a solo mission i right, thought right, that right, one right, was right. funny yeah off to the healing gardens talking to spike seems like a third iteration of essentially a, a similar character there are other spikes spike was first introduced in x-men evolution yes I remember that. As the nephew of Aurora. And then there was another Spike that was kind of modeled off of that Spike, but a different character. And is is Spike at all modeled after or kind of related to Marrow in a sense? In no way related, but it's Marrow's power. Mm, Like conceptually related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. And then the fact that in X-Men Evolution, Spike goes and joins the Morlocks afterwards Mm. because his power evolves beyond his control interesting well there's someone taking over bodies yeah and we're we're here to to find out who that is it connects to one of other cases that nightcrawler initially outlined Rockslide dancing and laughing when you paint on him yeah what's going on with Rockslide? He's he's a brand new baby he's just people tickling him with paint i don't know who skinjacker is and we never see them I don't think we know. We don't know who it is. Right. Brand new character. I also wonder if Skinjacker is their actual name or that's like he's the what whatever, like how they give a murderer's a name, you know, like the Green Lake Killer. The, like, the Scranton Strangler. Yeah, that there's there's a tangible example, you know, is that this mutant's actual name? Or? I don't know. It sounds as though. Because I think they it, call him something else a little bit later in the issue. No, because they identify who it actually is. Right, so that's what I'm saying. So Skinjacker is the I don't know if they're the same name. I don't know if they're the same person. Oh, I see. You think maybe Skinjacker is someone else and they had right. they had the wrong guy. Right. Interesting. Lost playing good cop. Also interesting that this Spike character has a healing factor. I think that was cool. Mm-hmm. But Lost really getting to play up her characterization and her history, this empathetic connection. Yeah. I liked learning a little bit or seeing these characters in action. Right. Yeah, because Lost just was introduced in Way of X. Yeah. And very much so her story or a large player in that story and, and her history established. And and just seeing that referenced here really reaffirms, hey, here's this new character. If you didn't read Way of X, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I also like that, you know, she has this connection to what happened with Onslaught and this ability to really tap into what Spike is feeling. Right. Weaponless Zen. Back to Araco. Interesting that that fight that we saw earlier, they were fighting over payment for seven days of labor. Well, you can fight about anything, I guess. Yeah, it's not just to take a council spot. It's literally for anything. This is our court. 
This is how we do it. So it's like, if you don't want to pay somebody. Fight me to the death. You don't have to because you could just beat them in a fight. Right. The head of Ugesh and the light of Ugesh. Aura's predecessor summoned all of these gods for military assistance while they were in Ameth. Didn't go so well. That's so hot. And out comes a summoned god. These Who doesn't really want to be there. Right, because he was pulled out before he was ready. And I think it's interesting that these they're, these people are accused of worship. Attend. These mutants stand accused of worship. All Arako yearns to gauge the glory of their patron. Name it. Which I think was later established as Aura saying, well, we believe in gods. We just have not found one worthy enough to be our god. Yeah, that I thought was cool for Arako. They, you know, have a lot of pride. Need to be well represented. Right. And not by this guy who doesn't even know how to show up and be a god. <laughs> it's a data page. This is the data page. Uh, the Let's talk about the data page in, in its three sections. First section, read it, got it, good. Third section. She is a, a spot on the council that we haven't seen, but she's been referenced. She hasn't been sitting around the council, but Aura Serata took note and, and cataloged it in the great fights. And- yeah, that. I totally appreciated and understood the last part of it. How Aura Serata takes her seat from Ugtesh, right? Ugesh. Yeah, that was one of the things that I read it, but I am not cataloging those details too deep into my brain. Well, that's what that's what they were talking about. Uh, how Aura got to her seat and then beings of faith must prove their worth on demand. So they need to be ready to be showing us that they are worthy of being our god so far no one has no and they're taking them down these deities came out to seduce the iraqi people i'm kind of generally confused as to why being on earth is causing so many more deities is it just because of their location i guess yeah they're accessible now yeah and it's like hey all these gods of war are coming out to try and find a warlike species that they want to be friends with but Arako's not having it so they shall destroy this god. Right. Which I thought was bananas that it was just so easy for them. I mean, it was a horde of people, all these mutants that we'd never met or seen before. And we are also introduced to the idea of a trickster god or a mischief god mm. who escaped without a name being named. Dun, dun, dun. That's reductive, Kurt. We believe in gods. We've just not found one worthy enough. So because he lost the fight with all these guys, he dies like this god dies right now. That's it. She just takes him out. She's done. Now team up with Weaponless Zen and get me my trickster god. Do it quickly or I'm coming down there and I'm doing it myself. And you don't want me to do it myself. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. And I just so I try to understand this. Aura is chasing this god because she summoned it or or someone had been praying to them. And then when they came, they ran away. I guess. They were like, woohoo, we're going to Krakoa. Time for a father-son chat. Yeah, Legion's update. Ooh, Xavier is working with Bran to spy on his kids. Come on, man. Dude, Could you stoop any lower? Every day he makes me hate him more. This whole book is full of narcs. (laughs) Terrible father Xavier is. Ooh, the burns in this conversation. I I love self, maybe friend David. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, God. I love a good moment of warlock. Yeah. Sorry about your dad, though. Yeah. I just I feel like you would want to hear it in person because I would want to know in person that my dad had died. Yeah. I'd want to know, Dad, did you get that? Did you get that with your stupid face? Did you know that was for you, sir? Mr. Xavier, put your helmet back on. I don't want to see your face. So Nimrod has killed Magus, Warlock's mm-hmm. father. I don't I don't think this means that he becomes the Magus. I, I'm not sure how that works. That that's kinda to become the Magus, he would have had to have slain the Magus. That was what they were destined to be. Ah. That's essentially why Warlock is considered a mutant, because he rejects that programming of his species. But it's also the the conversation of why are the robots killing robots? You know, the the phalanx are or the technarchy are part of the phalanx, whether or not they're willing, aren't they all part of that same endgame? I mean, I thought so. And we got a a little meet cute between Nightcrawler and Sen. Oh yeah, priest. She just comes right out though. Yeah, no, we should we should totally bone. 
Let's do it. She's like, let's do it. You a priest? No, not really. Cool, because I like your skin. It reminds me of fungal algae. Let's bang. (laughs) Wow, came on a bit strong there. But the Iraqi don't play. They don't play any games. We've been at war for thousands of years. I'm attracted to you, Kurt. I'm laying out my business. What's up? You got nice skin. (laughs) We've heard this idea before her protest of nowhere worth going if you don't travel there like mm. the softened way of getting places the fact that they have to go from Morocco to Krakoa to Morocco and then to the altar yeah why they call you weaponless you got all those blades oh silly boy blades are not weapons oh right your mutant power is a weapon wait are you not a mute smack smacked in the face don't you question me how dare you say these things I wonder if Fisher King has a mutant gift that is not considered a weapon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because... Because I still think the the reference in that issue last week of the man, the guy who at midnight... And, yeah, and just, yeah. There's more to the Fisher King yet to come. For sure. It seems like the Brits are all playing in the same sandbox <laughs> of what they're establishing. Al Ewing, Kieran Gillen, Cy Spurrier. Ooh. Playtime, what's it going to be? I paint with truth. I, I would very much so like to see this as well. Yeah. I, like, this sounds cool. She does not think so, but uh, I, I do. Well, in you a, know, her upbringing is like you're not a war strong. Society. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we give you swords. You got art as a power, so. Go to the Morrowlands. See you later. Team meeting. Dr. Nemesis with his science. His science. He's so happy. He's so happy. I didn't use all this empathy and hubbubaloo. I used science to find out. No, it's Switch, which is a deep cut. This is a random mutant from a long time ago. From a long time ago. Well, good to know, because I don't know who Switch is. I'm sure some people do love Switch and just got so excited. Cortez can remember forget me not but not lost and, and it's so heartbreaking oh hey Marionette you uh look really nice today and, and I don't know if this is like out of instruction from Sai, but the font points of the text and especially just like in certain bubbles there's certain words that are decreased mm. even word bubbles entirely that are are much smaller like Marionette oh hello have we met like, like these off panel essentially like kind of side comments yeah, i don't see that. little whispers i don't see that really in any other title but i'm pretty sure that was a part of way of x as well oh interesting so i don't know if that's just like an intentional hey if you could do this a little or if this could be smaller yeah that's cool juggernaut ready to deliver for justice well not yet you know juggernaut thinks he's helping Charles and trying to to do what Charles wants, but really Xavier voted against him being able to help. Ah, oh, Xavier. You know, just alienating everyone that is potentially your family. Yeah, he doesn't care. But Kurt believes himself above Xavier's judgment, which is part of a problem as well. I feel mm. like it was exactly what I had said last week is everybody's just, or, or last episode, everybody's just trying to move their brand of whatever they see fit forward and they're just right. trying to be the, the person in charge of whatever corner they want to be in charge of it's very rare that the council actually works together as a council which is crazy like that's why you assembled a council of all these different personalities and people to share ideas and and work together yeah it was a smart idea she's not coming together very well yeah let me follow our astral wanderer Ah, more trippy, beautiful love art. Yeah. I mean, Ruth Blindfold is asking the question that we all want to know. Is it safe? (laughs) Right. Savage line against Xavier. Paranoia, assuming the worst, it leads you to turning people into things. That's dad's way. That's not my way. That's dad's way. We have built a house of mind and heart on the edge of the imagination. All must be welcome. Well, then I'm coming in. Oh, everyone's welcome. Look at me. I'm probably this mischievous god. Maybe. There's reference to, I think, in a further solicitation of horns on the god of mischief. Oh, shoot. I was just prepping myself that it wasn't going to be Loki. But I hope it is. Ooh, I think I didn't want to be let down. <laughs> well, maybe I, I'm about to let you down, but it's just it also feels like 
you know, Legion and, and Blindfold have been doing their entire own thing, right? They've just been spying on what Kurt's been up to to give us the reader context. And then at the end of their journey throughout the world of imagination, this giant new character is here. Yeah. Are, are they an Iraqi mutant? I don't think so, because they're coming in from the astral plane. Mm-hmm. And they're not coming in through the gate. Like they didn't they didn't come out of the altar and into the astral plane. Like they are just out here somewhere somehow. Mm-hmm. They want to know. I love their uh their accent. <laughs> just an humble trader, me, nothing too exotic. Spells, spirits, demons, gods, dreams fulfilled, leadership obtained, that sort of thing, you know, love. <laughs> <laughs> What's it to be, eh? Ambitious young thing like you. You want power or glory? You, you turn them a little Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, yeah. I, it all blends. It all blends. I haven't been practicing my accents lately. You know, glory sounds an awful lot like glorious purpose. <laughs> Just saying. Glorious purpose. Let us pray, but not that kind of pray. Like the kind you hunt. The hunting kind. Big picture, what'd you think? I mean, it was a lot. It was so much. It was a lot. There's like a, a handful of interesting threads to follow up on. I feel a little bit like, oh, this is not what I thought. I didn't know we were going to be basically like a police precinct. But I'm not mad at it. No. I'm here and I'm willing to let it be what it be. I was a little overwhelmed like yes. when I first read it. Uh, I, I get it. You want to introduce your concept or three of them and then have an example of that concept or three of them, mm-hmm. and and then also seed in several new characters. I think, what, five or six new characters, wow. at least named? That's a lot. Right. And then also have that bridge between Way of X. It just felt like a lot to take in. I remember after reading it the first time, I'm not sure I really understood some sections of it because I was just trying to juggle it all in my mind. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm interested. It's big ideas. And it seems very separate from, you know, in the same way that Marauders and even New Mutants feel very separate from the core Krakoan happenings. This feels very separate. It's often its own dimension yeah. type thing. It's essentially doing a Knights of X, but in the mind versus in other world. Right. It's not really going to. There might be things from the other books that feed into this, but this is not going to really affect the stories that's happening in the other books. Right. It might affect Nightcrawler's characterization around the council. Right. But. I do think that this is definitely an issue that after I finished reading it, I didn't fully understand it. And this is one of those instances where us having a conversation has helped me further understand what's going on. Do you, do you have any big questions about it still? Um, Not really big questions, just sort of I need to kind of let it settle in my body. And then I think as future issues come out, there may be things in here that I need to sort of refresh yeah. or recall upon because I was given so much information. And I would be surprised if every issue going forward is was like a dense? little bit of yeah. everything. Like I feel like the next issue might focus on one of the three things. And, I would hope so. Going in that direction. And, and in that way, I understand why this had to be so big. It, it had to come out the gun with a lot of energy and a lot of narrative potential to go different directions. To yeah. Essentially... You have two main characters, too, and each main character has multiple things being set up with them, their connection to each other, their connection to the people that they know and love and work with, other things relative to the altar or to the the laws. It's kind of similar to that first issue of X-Men where they set up the big three, you right. know? Right. They kind of have to give you all the stuff so then they can play within it. Yeah. And I, I think that was a lot more palatable because they were separated into their three sections right right it was just bouncing around right it was bouncing around in so many things and i I liked it i really enjoyed it i am a little like hey kurt are you all right (laughs) i really liked that it's inclusive of what's going on in Araco and iraqi mutants and it's you know sometimes i feel like they're very divided yeah in the books you know Araco is one thing krakoa is the other thing and they rarely sort of work together. Well, yeah. And it seems like in this instance, they're all right off the bat, they're 
they're having a shared experience. So between this Kirk's and Red, yeah, is really about all of them, and it's not just about Krakoa. Yeah, between this and Red, there's definitely. Now, I mean, because even before there was the introduction of Arako after Ten of Swords, and then it just kind of was in the background. Yeah, it was and then there. One or two mutants would show up here and there. Cora, the Burning Heart. Cora. You know the the people that trashed that bar in England and oh, you yeah. know like a bunch of random just one off but then this feels like we have now laid down three new characters relative to the Iraqi at least and then all those others that were just drawn and not named or given powers yeah and I feel like that's something we've talked about like you specifically have said that's something that you want is to like dig deeper there's so many potential characters within Arako that it would be right. great to get to know them. Arako is a new mutant creation machine. And the fact that we get new mutants in this book that aren't from Arako as well, you know, the hothead guy. Yeah. Spike as well. These are not Iraqi mutants. These are Krakoan or, or just earthbound mutants, mm -hmm. but just the wellspring of potential that is Arako and is the volume of mutants that are there. Until, you know, whatever happens, happens. I don't know. Uh-oh. What are you most interested in after this? Like, is it a character? Is it a concept? Trying to think of all of the things that you're juggling. What's the thing that's calling to you the most? Um, I think the Arako connection and the, the gods. And because I think that kind of feels like it ties a little bit into Way of X in that the, the religious tie for Nightcrawler and finding a god that is worthy of them and finding, you know, in that sense, it's like, does that mean finding a religion or something that you believe in that is worthy of your people? Or is it just in turn just believing in your people? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I also really love a good mystery and I would love to know more about the like body snatching situation. But again, I'm not letting myself get excited about that because every time I get excited that there's going to be like a mystery to solve in the comics, it's never what I think it is. Yeah, so yeah. What about you? What are you? What sticks out to you as something that's most exciting or most intriguing? I, it's probably Nightcrawler mm. and just what's going on with him because I feel like we we did a big leap, and and even just to acknowledge like I've read the story where Kurt finds out that his priest training was a sham, mm. and and he realizes he was not actually ordained as a priest. It's crazy. It's crazy. And there's like this giant underground facility. And um, he's still very much so like a Catholic person, though, and, mm. and has a deep faith that continues throughout his continuity. So I'm, I'm curious as to what's going on internally with him that's causing this change. And if it's just the full dive in on Krakoan culture and lore and law and, and what that means, that's fine. Mm. Uh, I just I feel like we're potentially losing parts of himself to find this new version of him. Ah, interesting. Scary for someone who's a big fan of the character. Very scary. Yeah. And I, I do also think that the potential for side characters to appear. Yeah. And that's something that Sai has said that there's not really a main cast. It's kind of who I need for this mission or this activity or. And I think that really helps to give other the fact that Maggot appears in this issue and his reference Dust appears in this issue. Yeah. It's only for one panel with Mercury and Loa, and it's very quick and very small, but they're still there. And it's they're there. What are your thoughts? What's your read on Aura Serata and Weaponless Zen? I feel like there's definitely more to Aura. There's connections and, and hidden like secrets, maybe a hidden agenda type deal. Yeah, I'm just interested to see how that just all develops. I want to know more about the inner workings of Arako, but I want to know it in an experiential way and not a data page way. Right. And I feel like that's what it's slowly been doing is and in all of the multiple books telling us that we're our, our thoughts on Iraqi culture are wrong and reductive. Right. And I think that's why what I was saying about the data pages is that I want to just experience Arako. I don't want to be given it. like a lecture on Arako. And yeah. I think that's why I, I kind of breeze over them because I'm like, all right, I just want to see the characters in action. I want to experience them. Mm. What are your thoughts about Nightcrawler in this? I think it's, it did feel a little jarring. It felt a little sort of cold, I guess. Um, 
but I, but again, I, I just don't. I guess I don't really know what Nightcrawler's personality actually is. Yeah. And even even when you say cold, like that makes me think of the compassion that he has to not just damn people to the pit. Right. Right. And and so rehabilitation is, is very much so a part of his point of view right now. And I, I see semblances of Nightcrawler in that. And that's exciting. That's great. Yeah. He seems very business oriented. Right. Yeah, he's, he's a leader. He's the top guy in charge, yeah. but also kind of... Seems like he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Still figuring it out. Yeah, I guess. What about Legion? Any thoughts, feelings, observations on David Haller? I want to believe that Legion is is a good guy. He's here for the good. He's changed for the better. He's got his love back. Maybe that will help him stay on the right path. Maybe. Hopefully. I don't know. We got some questions from the people. Amazing. I also just want to say, like, Legion is anti-Charles, so I'm pro-Legion. That's true. You would be. (laughs) So let me pull up our questions from the folks. Kidwolf underscore one, PJ is saying, I think the best way to describe Iraqi culture is direct, all caps. Very direct. Mm, Yes. They know what they want. They, They are very cut and dry with their rules. They don't leave a lot of room for circumstance. No. Chili's pull list is saying, hey, so many things happening. Do you think that it was overly ambitious or did it hit the mark for you? That's a good question. I think after discussing it, it feels more like it hit the mark. But in reading it, it felt overly ambitious. Right. It felt like a lot. And I wasn't really ready for all of that. But the more I sit with it, the more we talk about it, the more it feels like palatable. That's honestly, after reading it a second, maybe a third time, uh, it was easier to digest and to feel like, okay, this is what's being set up here. This is what's being set up here. It was just, it was a lot of text yeah. and it was a lot of ideas. Yeah. And it was hard to juggle in, in even an oversized comic, but still. Like, Chili also said it was spread too thin for him, but still very good. The art and the colors were a highlight. Agreed. What was your favorite element? Ooh, I really did love the art. I did too, yeah. And the co- the colors hit for me, I think. Yeah, I think my favorite element, though, is even though it was jarring, this idea of the police and the investigation because that is something as a genre that I'm interested in. So if that is really the direction that the book is going, then I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. We got something from Warlion Comics. Respect the sacred land includes not harming mutants. Meanwhile, mutants kill each other all the time. That's the biggest plot hole in the whole Krakoan era. Considering that in Hoxpox, harming and killing mutants was welcomed by the council, Apocalypse. And and I would agree that that is a plot hole. It's just now being established as a plot hole in yeah. this point in this book. But yeah, they, they'd be murdering each other all the time. Well, maybe that's what Nightcrawler wants to stop from happening. So it's it's not a retroactive law. It's a moving forward. Let's be more mindful of this. Right. But that's also and, and I don't want to belabor this and go back to it. But that that's something that I feel like he needs to bring up to the council and not just enforce in his own team. Yes. Grim Alkin Lane. Chad says it's crowded, but I have high hopes. Agree. I, I whole wholeheartedly agree. There's so many people, so many ideas, so many words. So many words. But I'm interested. And and I feel like I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed any of Way of X. Agreed. Agreed. BMCG 2. I didn't read it. Not on my list. <laughs> well. Well, hopefully. Well, if you listen to the episode, hopefully we made you want to pick it up next time. Yeah. You got a sense of what's going on, what you're missing. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Will we see some Black Tom and Juggernaut romance? I don't know. I don't know. They've never been confirmed to be romantically involved, except, you know, Black Tom having his dreams of Juggernaut tickling him with his sausage well, fingers. Well, doesn't um, Juggernaut say something about going to visit going, Black Tom? Yeah, to have a drink with Black Tom. So maybe they will. Reunited. And it feels so good. Panda Man Tan says, awesome. Awesome. Totally awesome. Eric T. Huffman, so we're in David's head, question mark, question mark. And who exactly is his precog girlfriend? When did old Juggernaut get to come back? Feel like I missed a bunch. They just jumped right in on it. And I'd agree with that. Oh, yeah. If you didn't read like the Marvel Unlimited, you wouldn't know that Juggernaut is back. You would know. 
And even even that, though, it only brought him into the world of X, but still at that point did not have access to be on Krakoa. And just the... Dis- well, he came to Krakoa and fought, didn't he? Right, but he did not have, like, you are not welcome as a right. citizen of Krakoa, essentially. Right. You are... Thanks for being our hired merc with Deadpool, another person that's questionably allowed here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Ruth Blindfold is Precog girlfriend is a character from died a couple of years ago, but that actually I believe is referenced in Way of X. I believe Legion was at her tombstone. Yes. When he first makes contact with Kurt. I remember that. So there's definitely a few leaps from one book to the next. Some things have changed and some new characters are being thrown in. But I don't hate it. Because I didn't really because I didn't really like the direction that Way of X was going. So I'm glad that we can kind of take some of the concepts and refocus them and try to enjoy them differently. Hmm. Vaterino says, you know who else killed their own gods? The Klingons. <laughs> Does this make two Twilight Seats revealed? I don't know. Who is the second one? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that means. The Fisher King? Maybe. But I thought that, and I kind of want to find... This is why I need to save those specific data pages where I know I need I want and I want them. It's the data page of who else is there, who else is on the council, because I believe Aura was the seat that was just she wasn't there in a, in a previous mm. conversation around the Great Ring. I may be mixing that up, but you know that I think that that sounds right. And, and like the Knights of Midnight or, or the, the seats of midnight mm. are the ones right because it was the dawn, the dusk. Uh, don't ask me don't look at me and say right i don't whatever you say i agree yes sounds good (laughs) the pikachu asks did you guys notice one of legion's altars is trying to break out Ooh, i didn't now i shall go back and yeah in that cortex oh yeah you can see punching through in the Oh, in that second panel. He's oh, fighting through. Snap. I didn't even pick up on that. The hands. It's it's like right there. Good eye, Pikachu. I love that kind of stuff. Comic Extracts wants to know who is the god of mischief. I would guess Loki, but unsure. Alicia would be very happy with that guess. I like literally when I first read it, I was like, it's Loki. And then I was like, Alicia, don't get your hopes up. The whole Marvel universe. Maybe there's another god of mischief. Could be. But. I would love it if it was Loki. I would love it. Also, so amazing to see more Iraqi culture and how their interpretation of religion works. And I'd agree. Yeah, That's the, I totally agree. the big mystery of it all. And I'm I'm glad that they're slow playing it because it is very exciting and it's seeding the larger world of what they could do with it. Lots of good questions. Lots of good reaction. Thanks, y'all. Yes. I love it when you get involved. Any thoughts, questions, reactions from you before we wrap up? Uh... No, I think I've pretty much said everything I feel like I need to say. We we talked about this in our Patreon episode of the three books that were like the top books of the week last week. Yeah. Who was your favorite? We've now had at least one issue of every title in the Destiny of X. Oh. Is there someone that sticks out just by their first issue from that as your favorite? What are they all again? Immortal X-Men. X-Men Red, Marauders, X-Men, X-Force, Wolverine, New Mutants, and Knights of X. Immortal X-Men. I think Immortal X-Men for me too. Honestly, I'm, I'm happy with what X-Men has been doing over the past couple of issues. And yes. that has stepped up in a way that I was not expecting. And X-Men Red, they're kind oh, of yeah. all on this. X-Men Red is for sure a close second. Yeah, those three are really telling the story of Krakoa for me. And, I think and, the thing about Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red is that it's a, like it's a fresh story. So even though X-Men is a number one, it doesn't feel new. It's like a continuation. Well, X-Men wasn't a number one. Well, it, it doesn't feel like... I understand it's the beginning of its Destiny of X run but or its arc, but it doesn't feel like a newcomer to me. Gotcha. You know? And I feel like Immortal X-Men is just, it's just giving us so much more or another look into the whole world of Krakoa, Mm. you know, big picture stuff, which is exciting. 
Yeah, I think Immortal X-Men for me. And probably it's it's probably Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red at my top two. And then it kind of gets a little fishy because I, I really like New Mutants. I really like Same. X-Men. And I really enjoyed Knights of X. Yeah. Knights of X was great. I can't wait for another one of those. Tomorrow, uh, next week. Next week. Look at that transition. I didn't even mean it. Hey, oh. What Knight- else we got next Knights week? Knights of X number two and X-Men 92, House of 92 number two. Oh, pop, pop. What's happening, Jubilee? That's all. That's it. Just two. That's it. But this week I had had, well, technically next week I'll get Black Panther 6. Oh. So keeping up with T'Challa and what's going on with him. I still want to know if it's ever going to come back in with Gentle and Storm and that story, but... Yeah. Kind of drop that bomb and then let it go. Yeah. Let it sizzle. I read Amazing Spider-Man number two. Yeah. Mary Jane Watson on the cover. Uh-huh. No Mary Jane Watson in the issue. Oh, the <laughs> worst. I hate when that happens. And even, even the Devil's Reign Omega, Daredevil and Electra, or Daredevil and Daredevil, I guess, on the cover. Wait. Electra's Daredevil now? She's going by Daredevil. Oh, she wears scoozy. She wears a Daredevil-inspired costume. Nice. Because you never finished Devil's Reign, right? No. I just <laughs> stopped with Emma, Emma, giddy, giddy, Emma, Emma Frost. It's true. It's true. But that was not what I was expecting in any way, shape, or form. I was looking for like some aftermath or some... And I guess we kind of got that. I don't want to spoil it because I know you haven't read it. I don't know how many people listening have read it. Yeah. But Devil's Reign probably... One of my favorite events. Oh, cool. Recently, at least. Not overall, but recently. It was a good one. Well, is that it? That's all she wrote. Alrighty then. Until next time, old friend. Charles, you're a bad dad. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 